Hello and welcome to the AMBOSS podcast, Beyond the Textbook. Every two weeks, experts from AMBOSS, the medical education platform, interview medical students and healthcare professionals to showcase international perspectives on everything in medical school and beyond the textbook. Welcome to the AMBOSS podcast, Beyond the Textbook, where we provide medical students and physicians with in-depth insights and expert knowledge that goes beyond your traditional medical textbooks. I'm Sophie Neal. And I'm Tanner Schrank. And today we're continuing with part two of our interview of Dr. Claire Wagner of the Bill and Melinda Gates Medical Research Institute. If you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen. And without further ado, we'll hand it over to Sophie to continue that interview. Claire, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us your time. Thank you, Sophie. I am delighted to be here with you and Tanner. I wanted to take you back, actually, to the beginning of your journey in in medical school. And maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. Journey is a good word for it. I would say it certainly was not a linear path for me. I didn't set out with the intention to actually ever go to medical school or go to business school or do this work necessarily. Although I suppose when I look in retrospect, it all kind of makes sense. I grew up in an environment that was very international. And my parents are both scientifically minded and internationally minded. And I grew up in some different places with lots of different people and engaged with their colleagues and their friends from around the world and in a, really in a sort of academic environment. So to me, to be doing work that has an international focus makes a lot of sense when I look at the big the sort of personal picture of it. And I guess as cliche as it sounds, sure, I do subscribe to the idea that the world runs on passion. And I guess at the different intersections that I met in my own journey, I chose what I was interested in at the time and not some broad kind of strategery. And so I did end up after college moving to Rwanda and then moving back to the U.S. to work with the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute and the Union for International Cancer Control in Geneva on an effort with the World Health Organization to revise the list of essential medicines for cancer in 2015. and had a big impact on me, not just in terms of how the WHO makes decisions and how those decisions impact the different member states, But also that something like the WHO's essential medicines list is a floor, not the ceiling, right? That's the starting line. And then from the essential medicines list, you got to keep sprinting to get those products into the marketplace. And so it was a really important set of learnings for me to do that work with Dana-Farber and the UICC and WHO. And ultimately, I ended up going to medical school after that and doing the joint MD, MBA degree program at Harvard at the encouragement of my mentors, and particularly Rwanda's Minister of Health, Paul Farmer, Jim Kim, and Larry Shulman, who I was working with at Dana-Farber at the time. And that kind of support and little nudges from mentors made a huge difference for me and had a profound impact on my journey. And at each step of the way, being able to go to those mentors and others too and seek advice and counsel as I made certain career decisions. That, in addition to talking with my family, of course, was the whole picture. 
And I'm so grateful for their mentorship over those years. It's really nice to hear that you didn't necessarily have a very set trajectory. You kind of followed your passion as you go, because I think that is something, especially for a lot of the medical students that we work with, they have a very set trajectory. And for some students, that works really well. And for other students, they might be in the middle of that trajectory and actually think, "Mm, this isn't necessarily the route I want to go down, or maybe I would like to change. And I think knowing that someone who has been as successful as yourself didn't necessarily always follow that linear route, hopefully can give students some inspiration that it's okay to go off the path sometimes if you're not happy or you would like to change and then maybe come back to something. So I think that was a really great answer. Thank you. And you mentioned that you studied at Harvard and you do some lecturing and mentoring in multiple locations, including Harvard, medical and business schools. So as a teacher, what key lessons do you hope to impart upon your students that you would like them to carry into their future careers in healthcare? Thanks. So yeah, I have had the great opportunity to contribute to some courses and lectures and mentorship opportunities across the Harvard ecosystem. And one of those is a negotiations course and another is an entrepreneurship course. And I've done some global health lecturing. I think there's a lot of really interesting content and bi-directional exchange. I learned so much. This is what My teachers always used to say to me is I've learned so much from my students and now I'm on the other side and saying the same thing. I think one thread to pull out from our conversation here today that I find to be a really interesting concept to teach, it really crosscuts all of the content areas from negotiations all the way to global health, is keeping an open mind and getting all the issues out on the table. And it's something that is a fundamental core part of any negotiations course is understanding what are the issues on the table for negotiation. And it comes back to your first question around, you know, the challenges faced by the Ministry of Health of Rwanda and the status quo questioning that happens. And I think these are all part of the same theme around making sure you're opening up the aperture and not keeping such a focused view on the issues, because there's always more that you can put on the table. And actually, it comes back to your question about career journeys, because I do think that overly strategizing in your professional life can actually lead to closing doors. And even if it's a periodic mind opening, like doing that exercise of taking that step back and thinking, okay, what are all the ways I can engage because of this interest or that interest? And who are the people that I should be talking with to learn more about X, Y, or Z? And what sort of environments can I put myself in to explore A, B, or C issues that I'm interested in? And so taking that opportunity to look around and get the issues on the table, that is one central theme that does cross-cut all of those content areas that I teach and that I engage with students on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think keeping an open mind is key. I really, really agree. And you mentioned going to medical school, that a big part of that was the nudges and inspiration that you were given by your mentors. And so what would you say is your approach when you're mentoring? What advice would you give to students for finding and making the most of their mentors? Yeah, this is so key. 
Mentorship comes in all shapes and sizes, right? You could have a mentor who's younger than you or who's quite far away from you or whomever it is. And so I think one of the great experiences that I had in medical school, for example, was the exposure to mentors in places that I didn't expect. And one example that I'll give is, and it brings a smile on my face because it was so such a powerful experience for me. I was on colorectal surgery for a month doing whipples, or not doing whipples, but being the medical student in the room and assisting with very inconsequential parts of that procedure with Mark Callery at the Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center here in Boston. And he's an incredible surgeon. But he also just was so encouraging and inspiring and positive and energetic and infused this sense in me that I could do anything and I could learn anything and that he would be there to support me to do that. And he would show me some new tool he was using or some new way of doing X, Y, or Z and engage with me and ask me questions. And I just think that kind of mentorship is keeping an open mind as a student about where your mentors come from. You might find them in a colorectal surgery operating room and not in a global health lecture series. Sure, you might find mentors there too. And I certainly did. And I have many mentors there. But you know, being engaged in those ways, I think for me had a really profound impact on me. Being able to study under somebody like Mark Callery, who was so passionate about his work, made me passionate about his work, but also passionate about my own work. It just was the infusion of passion in your medical training. And that was a really exciting, exciting thing for me. And I think in the ways that I mentor now, I try to take that Mark Callery approach. I try to pick up on the passions and interests of the students that I have the opportunity to mentor and feed that back to them and not necessarily encourage them to do what I'm doing or encourage them to even do what they're doing, but just pick up on the passion that they have and the excitement that they have and interests and try to find some people for them to talk to who do that thing or find some resource to read or something to pick up to carry that interest forward. That's what my mentors have done for me is open doors and provided resources and fed back my interests and passions to me and help me see that more clearly because sometimes it's hard to see it when you're just looking in the mirror. And so having somebody feed that back to you from the outside is incredibly powerful. So I've tried to pay that forward in that way. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say it can be really quite lonely, I think, when you're studying or when you're on a journey. Sometimes it can feel quite lonely and it can be easy to lose your enthusiasm and your passion. And if you've got somebody who really values your passion and your inspiration and they validate it for you, essentially, it's a kind of back and forth energy, right? It can really make the world of difference, I think. Well, the last question is our most important question for the podcast. So finally, if you could give our listeners any advice beyond the textbook, what would you say? Thanks, Sophie. So I'll, I'll have to go back and listen to the answers of the other interviewees that you've done for this. I'm eager to hear what they've said to this question. And I always learn so much from podcasts like yours and the folks that you've brought together. I think in medical school, at least from my experience, it was very easy to follow sort of the straight and narrow and keep focused on the next shelf exam, the next board exam, the next test, the next rotation. And there's a reason for that, because actually, if you do let yourself open up to tons of things, 
it becomes very challenging to stay on track with those. So it does require an immense amount of focus. And I really appreciate that and experience that myself. But I do think it's important to remember as you go that just because something doesn't exist today doesn't mean it shouldn't exist or can't exist in the future. And it might just take some floating different ideas or socializing different ideas with different leaders and mentors to think through what could that look like if X, Y, or Z existed. And on my own career, I found that to really be true, that where there's a lot of interest, the path appears. There's actually a great Rumi quote, the Sufi poet Rumi says, if you step up, a step appears. You know, for people that I've had the opportunity to mentor and for my own experience, when somebody's super interested in something and has a lot of energy and enthusiasm about it, usually there could be something created where that energy and enthusiasm can be put into a track and harnessed and that person can kind of take off in the medical trainee world. And so the advice I would have is to keep that open mind about what it is that you see for the future. And, you know, in the Wayne Gretzky quote, don't just go where the puck is, go where the puck is going and think about where you want the puck to go and go there and find people who have similar interests and insights and and different interests and insights and bring those together to think about what it is that you want to do and the ways that you want to contribute and the ways that you can contribute to others' careers. I really love that. We've actually not had that advice from anybody so far. And it's something that a lot of people just don't think about, leaving these boundaries of the social trajectory that they are in or that's been set for them. And for someone even to just say, consider it, it could be possible. I think that's really, really good advice. So I really like that a lot. That's some great advice. Thanks a lot, Claire. And thank you for taking the time to sit down with us for this interview. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of the Amboss podcast. That's it for this episode. On behalf of Sophie Neal and everyone at Amboss, I'm Dr. Tanner Schrank, and this has been Beyond the Textbook. The links in the description can give you a more in-depth understanding of these concepts. If you like this episode, please give us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. You can check out the Amboss platform for your medical studies and sign up for a free five-day trial at amboss.com. 